This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. used to bring on his guests, he would ask his guests beforehand, what are your five favorite songs? And then he would bring on the guest and play one of their five favorite songs. So Rich Lowry joins us at this time every Monday. He's a phenomenal guest, the editor of the National Review, Politico, NBC. He's a mega superstar. Turns out that he actually asked for this song this morning. I love Bruce Springsteen, despite his political beliefs. I love this song. But why would you pick Glory Days the day after a football game? <laughs> I don't get it. What am I missing? <laughs> I had to choose quickly. Okay. I had to choose quickly. All right. All right. All right not, not, all, not all the songs on that album, Born in the USA, hold up that well, I would right. say. But uh, Glory right. Days is one of them. Well, that's one of the actual pro-American songs, unlike Born in the USA, which yeah. folks think is pro-American, but it's exactly. anything but. Uh, Rich Lowry here in the Bernie and Sid program. So uh, we got to start with the Super Bowl. It was, I thought, a great game. It was a great game. Uh, everything else I went into it, uh, the, before the game, the halftime, the cop painting, blah, blah, blah. What was Rich Lowry's feelings on Super Bowl 56? Well, it was a game where the, the final possession either team could have won. So you, you, always, you always want that. I kind of became really invested in the Bengals. So I was disappointed, but the Rams made the – made the plays when they had to make them. And, uh, you know, the Bengals just had to stop one receiver on the go-ahead Ramster drive, one yeah. receiver, and they, they, they couldn't do it. He was either catching the ball or getting fouled. You know? <laughs> so what can you do? I could have done without the halftime show. Uh, I, I'm not a huge fan of that music. Plus, you know, I prefer more pyrotechnics. Like if Snoop Dogg had been shot out a giant reefer or something, that, that would have made, <laughs> made it more interesting for me. <laughs> but seriously, Rich Lowry, speaking of the halftime show, I mean, the, this uh, Snoop Dogg thing, it really got uh, it got smothered. It got there was no coverage of it virtually. In other words, he just came out with a song that said, "Hey, black men, stop shooting each other and start shooting cops." He literally wrote those lyrics just in the last few months. That's his latest song, and there was absolutely silence. There was there was crickets. Nobody cared. I mean, in this day of an age of, uh, you know, somebody said the N-word 10 years ago. Yeah. This guy just wrote that three months ago. Yeah, I know. It's, it's insane, right? If Joe, Joe Rogan wrote something comparable, his show would be totally canceled, right? He wouldn't be able to podcast anywhere right. on any platform ever again. But uh, Snoop gets the, the Super Bowl halftime show platform. It's just a symptom of our time. I mean, it's an incredible, incredible hypocrisy. M- Eminem, of course, kneeling during the song, a more nonsense. Dr. Dre at the very end of the performance talking about how not a big fan of the police, basically not the exact verbiage. But so even after all the negative press uh, uh, in and around Snoop Dogg, which, again, as I told Bernie, didn't take him off the stage. That was never going to happen. But even after all the negative press, you would have thought these morons last night would have done something to maybe ingratiate themselves mm-hmm. with people like me yeah. and Bernard. And instead, two opportunities, Eminem kneeling, Dr. Dre talking about the police. They, they double down right there in front of millions and millions of people. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how many people picked up to it, but uh, picked up on it. But if you're attuned, yeah, definitely. And 
the, the worst thing about the halftime show for me is that I, I looked it up, and Eminem's 49 years old. So you want to feel ancient uh, at, nine, at 49 years old. And as my wife said when it came out, he's like, wait a minute. He's still like three decades later not pulling up his pants? No, like, he's nope, still not. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> and somebody has to remind Blige how old she is. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> Put some was... clothes on, Grandma. Yeah. Hey, yeah, just a quick no question. Did, did you ever uh, see the movie Eight Mile, Rich Larry? Yes, I yes didn't. Or no? I did. didn't. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, that, that's uh, – I guess that's refreshing. I'm not sure. Listen, uh, the, the big bombshell over the weekend, which nobody covered, and I think you know what I'm talking about, was John Durham's mm-hmm. court filing. And he filed a court filing alleging, not alleging, but actually documenting the Hillary Clinton campaign spying not only on the Trump campaign, but on the Trump White House, the Trump Trump Tower, et cetera, et cetera, everything that Trump said in the past. I mean, this is a bombshell, and this guy, uh, Jake Sullivan, is up to his neck in it. Jake Jake Sullivan, Hillary Clinton herself. Uh, what do you make of this bombshell? How far will it go, and uh, is it the bombshell that I'm saying it is? Well, it is a, a rightfully considered a bombshell. It is, as you say, it's just not going to get covered by any, any of the mainstream outlets. They, they just don't care about this. We've talked about it over and over again. This was a major, the whole Russiagate thing, a major distortion of our system, and it deranged our politics for two years and created this conventional wisdom among some people you know, that Trump was a, a Russian asset, and it was the people on the other side who were, were abusing their powers. So a lot of people um, on the right have complained about how long it's taken Durham to, to do, do his work. I, I don't know whether that's a legitimate complaint or not, but he, he, it does seem to be bearing fruit slowly but surely. You know, last week, uh, me and Bernie, we were talking about this Ukraine-Russia thing, and we, mo- we both made it very, very clear that uh, who cares? Let them kill each other. Please, we got, we got no problems in the United States on our own border. Can't worry about Ukraine and Russia and certainly can't lose any lives uh, based on their, their battle going on. And yet yesterday, every single Sunday morning show I watched, Face the Nation, all of them except for Chuck, he was off for the Olympics, they were pulling their hair out about what a disaster this can be. And if this really goes down on Wednesday and Russia decides to invade Ukraine, the, the, it could be awful for the whole world. So which one is it? Are me and Bernie right? Or are these liberals on Sunday telling us this could be deadly for the whole world? Who's right in this case? Well, both. I, I don't think we should get in a war over Ukraine. And we're not going to get in a war over Ukraine. It's not that strategically important to us. But I think it's going to – if Putin just rolls in, and I mean – you know, every, every signal seems to be flashing red that he's going to do it. Um, it, it is. It does trespass an important norm that that's kept the peace in Europe since World War II. And you know, he's emboldened to do the next thing. So th- this is bad. But but say next time it's a Baltic country that's actually in NATO, and you have to decide between the destruction of this hugely important alliance and a war with Russia. Right. I, I mean, that's where you it gets extremely dangerous. So I, I think we're right to try to warn him off of it. But it looks like he's going to do it anyway. Yeah. And of course, if uh, it was a Baltic country or, you know, God forbid, uh, Poland or something like that, we should cross that bridge when we come to it. But uh, the Ukraine, I mean, essentially, in my opinion, Ukrainians, the Russians, they've been at it forever. It's like the Sunnis and the Shiites. It's a civil war. They, they're, they're cousins. They've, they've hated each other for years. And uh there's no real hardcore national interest in us getting, uh, you know, deep into the weeds over this, in my opinion, Rich Lowry. But you know what? Having given my opinion, I'm going to move on to the next topic, which is uh, the Canadian trucker thing. Now, listen, 
I'm down with the cause big time. I mean, I think it's disgusting the way they reflexively went after the Canadian truckers as Nazis, racists, insurrectionists, which is patently absurd, ridiculous. Again, I'm down with the cause. But if the same thing should be uh, pulled, say, here in New York City, where you had a big trucker protest and they shut down the city, I would be furious. Yeah. I would be just – and, again, the same thing with the BLM when they shut down and Antifa. I was furious then. I'd be furious with the truckers as well. Yeah, and I'm, I'm with you. I think you have to be consistent on this. You know, we're law, we're law and order people. The, the cause of the truckers is, is righteous. I mean, uh, on the smallest, bore, most narrow thing, this, this mandate they've imposed on them is completely ridiculous. They have to be vaccinated, or, or if you come across the border unvaccinated, you have to quarantine for two weeks, which is a way of saying, you know, you're fired. You can't do your job anymore. And for what? Right. I mean, 90 percent of them are vaccinated. So really, 10 percent of unvaccinated truckers going across the border is going to do something bad to Canada. It's, it's not. It's just it's just this r- ridiculous mindset that's run out of control over this pandemic. And they're also right about the broader restrictions. And and in response, you've seen loosening in Canada, which is good. But you can't just block a major artery of commerce. I mean, that's hurting Americans. Right? It's hurting it's hurting auto workers. So. The, the uh, authorities were, were right to insist on clearing it, and you know it looks like there hasn't been that I've seen you know any any violence, um, so that's good. So I, I think the truckers should should basically declare victory, and if not go home, at least take a back a step back from confrontation with the police. You know, Rich Lowry, editor of National View, talking about the vaccine. So uh, a lot of these blue cities now, these blue states are coming to the realization they can't win anymore. Whether it's Gavin Newsom in California, Kathy Hochul here in New York. They've uh, lifted these mask mandates, at least in businesses. Uh, they're waiting for the schools here in New York, which is ridiculous. And quite frankly, it's uh, child abuse, but it is what it is. It, it is eventually going to end sometime nearer to the future now than it was before. But yet, at the airport last night, taking my daughter to go to London, I was online on British Airways, and some guy ran over to me because I wasn't wearing a mask because we know the federal government, they're not ready to lift the mask mandate. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, though, I'm, I'm, the CDC, I'm sure your daughter's like, oh, Dad, not again. No, she did. She got mad. She's like, oh, Daddy, come on. You know, the guy wasn't, wasn't too uh, aggressive, but he was upset. But the point is, who are they listening to? You're going to tell me the CDC at this point deserves any, any respect from anybody, especially Joe Biden in the White House? Yeah, it does. And, and this is another act of political mal- malpractice by the White House. So you had all these Democratic governors coordinating, getting together, talking, saying it's time to, it's time to, to lift these school mask mandates. And they do it. And, and by, the White House is still in favor of the mandates, right? So the thing to do would have been to get, get out in front of it. Realize but but, 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 but can, I ask you why, can I ask you why you think the White House is still doing this, even when these, these moronic, even blue governors have come around? I don't know. I, I just think maybe the reflex is so strong towards this stuff. They spent so much time promoting it and defending it. And then maybe maybe they're scared. You know, they do it and there's another surge. And, and they're, but the, the, uh, they, they should, you know, a big symbolic, not just symbolic, you know, it would have made, made a difference to people who find the mass uncomfortable. It's just lifted on, uh, lifted on air travel. You know, that'd be a really big symbolic step. But they're apparently just not going to do it. Rich Lowry on the Bernie and Sid Show. Rich, let's go back to the Super Bowl. You, again, uh, you know, you're a savvy sports guy. You have the Brian, Brian, excuse me, Brian Flores lawsuits out there. Spent a lot of time on the, this uh, topic yesterday on the pregame show and uh, before the Super Bowl. And they even asked Joe Biden about it during Lester Holt's uh, 90-second interview. But uh, the Rooney Rule, 
Uh, what do you make of this whole uh, lack of black coaches and the Rooney rule in particular in the NFL? Well, the, the, the Rooney rule is ridiculous and should be insulting to every black candidate because it, it basically says, you know, if Bill Belichick is, is free and you want to hire him, you still have to pretend to interview, you know, an African-American candidate, you know, as, as a, a, a matter of pretense. And that's just ridiculous. I haven't delved much into the black coaches issue. I just find it hard to believe, given how competitive the NFL is, that if an owner legitimately believes a black coach is, is the best coach, that, that he's not hiring that coach, you know? Right. Uh, so it might be a pipeline problem. You know, it might be there's just not enough candidates coming up through the system. And, you know, maybe they're, they're um, uh, worthy things you can do to kind of pr- promote more black po- coaches coming up and more candidates coming up. But th- this has the makings of, of something that's going to turn into, like, you know, a, a legitimate, um, no kidding, quota on the NFL. Oh, there's no question. Well, listen, you were so good on this show today that uh, we've decided, much like Cooper Cup, which, Lowry, after this performance, you're going to Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, great. Let, let, us, let us know how you get there and how it is. <laughs> I'm get to wear a mask when you get to Kennedy Airport. <laughs> you were great today, Rich. Thank you All so right, much. Thanks, Thank you. There he is, folks. He's so good on a Monday morning with me and Bernie, the editor of the National Review, also NBC contributor, political, all that good stuff. Our good buddy, Rich Lowry.